you're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. It's the next episode of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Waite, the Fearless Business Coach. I've got an absolutely stellar guest on the show today in the form of Colin Campbell. So Colin is the founder and CEO of Formula Publisher. Colin helps service business owners position themselves as the only logical choice by clarifying their unique selling proposition, placing it in their own book, and using that book to generate highly qualified leads, both online and offline. Welcome to the show, Colin. Wow, I'm so excited for whoever this guest is. Otherwise, this is going to be the shortest interview in podcasting history. I hope I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Good man. So um, obviously, I mean, we'll, we'll come back to Colin and your story a bit later on in the show. I always like to start with giving as much value to listeners as we possibly can. Yeah. As you know, they're all in the coaching, consulting and freelance space. And um, one of the things I wanted to start off with, um, what are some of the questions that service-based business owners should be asking themselves? before they publish anything? The first thing that comes to mind is that people, you know, in the, in the marketing world, we hear the term uh, position yourself as an expert. And what I encourage is before you position yourself as an expert, be one. That's the, the, the inflection point is to be an expert and to be an expert, you have case studies of people that you've produced a measurable result for so that your content becomes easy to, you, you become almost like a journalist of results that you've produced. And that's the first thing is that if you don't have a compelling case study, e either with yourself, that you've gone through some sort of story arc that you can talk about, you were at a certain level in whether it's a, a business capacity or a personal development capacity. And then you went on that journey of self-discovery or testing new methods, and then you finally produce a result. That's the ideal uh, arc that you're going to be talking about within your book. And you're not going to be, you're going to be writing about it or speaking about it in, into text. So I think there's a danger with a lot of experts these days or so-called experts. They see other experts who've got, you know, put books published on Amazon and things like that. And they go, they think that that's the right way to get clients. And unfortunately they, you know, there's a lot of time, energy and effort, which goes into writing something like a book. Um, and, and actually that book needs to be padded out with case studies and reviews and testimonials and things like that. Actual work which that person has done before they can kind of like you said position themselves as the expert, the go-to person. That's right. Interestingly, Malcolm Gladwell talks about ten thousand hours, doesn't he? As being like the benchmark of like when you shift from being a non-expert to an expert, you've got to put the practice in um, before you can put yourself out there and say, "I'm amazing at what I do." How yeah, much right. do you believe in that? I haven't actually read the tipping point to be, uh, so I got to check it out, but it makes sense. You know, a thousand hours at a particular task, like how many hours, how many 
what is that in terms of days? If you're working, uh, if, if you were to work consecutively on something for um, excluding weekends, bank holidays, and holidays, um, uh, I think it's something like six and a half years. It takes it would take years. you like doing eight hours a day to get to ten thousand hours. Sure, it, it makes sense. I think too that you have to be doing the right thing within that time. You actually do the work, and, and what I mean by that is. You know, when you're interacting with clients and you're producing result with a client, that's the capital T, the, and capital W, the work that you need to do in order to produce a result for, for that person. And in terms of kind of, um, you know, the, so now we've, we've established that, you know, the listener is an expert. They've done their 10,000 hours. They've done the work. Yeah. Uh, and they're thinking, yeah, now I've got the 10,000 hours under my belt. And um, Colin said it's okay to publish something. What are the first steps you should be thinking about when you're kind of t- extracting that knowledge and putting it onto paper? Okay. So, you know, um, I, I'm getting so excited just talking. You're fueling me up. You're amping me up, man. I got to like increase my volume. <laughs> so, you know, uh, Eugene Schwartz yep. from uh, Breakthrough Advertising. So Eugene Schwartz was basically the Michael Jordan of direct response copywriting. This guy, if if you had an advertisement that, oh, here we go. Look at us. Snap, snap sees. This is there like, look at us. We're, 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 um, we're breakthrough advertising friends. Yeah. We're, hi. <laughs> 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 you have been enlightened. Instantly. <laughs> This is probably one of those 10,000 hour uh, things. If you want to read an absolutely world-class book, um, this is one of the books you want to read. So so check this out. This is the first line from this book. So just to set a brief amount of context, this guy, if you had an advertisement that was working, it was an 80% chance that if he was competing against you, he would produce an ad that would produce more profit than what you were currently producing. So this is like, the fraction of 1% in terms of copywriters who has that, that skill or had that skill, he's dead now. So he said, let's get right down to the heart of the matter, the power, the force, the overwhelming urge to own that makes advertising work comes from the market itself and not from the copy. And it, go, it goes on, but this is when you get into the mind and heart of your ideal client, like, Take a moment and think, who is the perfect person I'd like to interact with with my book and map out the demographics, like how old are they? What's their gender? What's their location? What's their education level? You want to know as much about them on the objective definition of who that person is or what that person is and who they are, what they identify with on the psychographic side. So what are their predispositions to believe things? Are they a religious person? Do they uh, lean on any one political side? So the ideal client for me is someone who's a, um, a service-based business owner. They are, um, here's a big distinction, is in terms of how they perceive the world. They are, uh, conservative, fiscally conservative, but socially liberal. So to clarify that and take the time to think about someone specific that you've interacted with, a specific client, a specific case study, and map out as much as you can about that person, 
that's going to create the language. That's going to presuppose a lot of the structure you use and also the title of your book. If you get inside that person's mind, you can be less creative and more assemble your copy or more assemble your book as opposed to needing to be like, oh, I need to create this huge book and spend a lot of time doing it. It's, it's funny, actually, because one of the most common mistakes, obviously, I, I'm, I'm a published author myself. So I get a lot of people coming to me saying, Robin, I really want to write a book. You've published books. Can you tell me what to do? And the first thing I say to them is don't write it about yourself. Because that's right. like, it's a natural sort of human thing. Yeah. Like if, you, if you go into, um, I don't know if you're into Clubhouse yet, but Clubhouse is, uh, it's a new app that's just come out. And it, you, what you get is, um, it's audio only, but you get to see people's avatar, like their little headshots sort of in the, in, you know, as circles dotted around on the stage, as they call it, right? So you can have hundreds of like, you know, people on the stage and on the front row and in the audience uh, listening into a clubhouse room, what's the first thing you do? You scroll down so that you can see your own face on, <laughs> on your mobile phone, right? So I found right. it's the same sort of deal when it comes to book writing. Everybody everybody does have a story to tell. Like we shouldn't take that away from anyone. But if your first instinct is it's all about me, then you're coming at it from the wrong perspective. So yes. that's kind of in line, aligned with what you've just said there, Colin. You've got to understand exactly who it is that you're writing for first, whether that's based on demographics or whether that's psychographics or whether it's just you've already got a well-established audience who you're actually writing for. Um, Gene Schwartz actually talks about um, having, you know, once you've identified your target market, he then talks about, do they have a collective desire? So do mm -hmm. they want to move towards something? And again, that's something which your book should, sh that should be a question which your book answers, shouldn't it? You know, Absolutely. does this appeal to their collective desire or not? Yeah, if, if you know who your ideal target audience is, then you can know in, in terms of a timeline, what result do they want to produce? So if they're here on the before shot, if you split the screen down to before and after, and you can say, here's where this person is. And my objective with all of the language, my headings, my subheadings, my stories is to get them from here to here, then you're going to produce the best book. And it is a natural inclination. We want to feel significant and, and tell our story. Yet, um, from the perspective of the person reading their book, their concern is themselves. They are concerned about what they want. And if you're talking like, I did all of this and, and it's you directed, they're gonna, they won't read it because it's not interesting to them. We can frame our personal story within the context of that result we're, we're producing for them. If we capture someone's attention and say, for instance, I'm going to help you uh, reduce the impact of commoditization. I'm going to help you charge more. Okay, cool. So I've captured that attention. I want to share a story of someone else. And then maybe in the middle of my book, um, talk about the personal transformation. Or once you've got someone's attention and you've it's so similar to interacting in a conversation that like people will give you leeway to communicate about yourself once you've shown them that you, you understand.
them and what they want. It's interesting, actually, Colin, that you say that, because that story you've just told sounds very similar to what I did with Take Your Shot, if I'm allowed to drop a shameless plug in there. Plug it. (laughs) Well, you know, it was, yeah, okay. So it was a a personal, you know, it was based on a personal story about how I helped a golf professional named Russ. Um, But I told it in the context of like a parable. I didn't want it to be the Robin Waite show because, no, you know, nobody really wants to know about me. They want to know what is in the story that's relevant to them. So that's why I told it as like this third person, like it's all about Russ, his journey that he goes through. He meets a business coach called David, goes through that transformation and you get that kind of result at the end of it. Um, And and that's, I think that's that, that, uh, how do you word it? Qualification of language. I think that most people, it's the difference between I and you. And if you can get into the habit of putting it into that third person type story, um, and you, I think you call it um, clarifying your language. Explain a little bit more about what you mean by that. Clarifying language. Um, that's yeah, because I filled out that form like a month ago, and now I'm like, clarify your language. Well, I think that he, here's where that came from: is that I ran a a challenge uh, where I brought these service business owners in and taught them how I produce books and the common scenario that comes up is that here's what they say. I've got so much experience as a doctor or as a lawyer or as to frame it, uh, a consultant, a coach, and I don't know how to refine or condense my words. I don't know how to take all of that experience and put it into something that's, it's, it's a, a refinement process that they have trouble with in identifying what's going to be relevant to, to, to share. So to clarify, we're, this is what we're talking about here is when you want to clarify your language, you get outside yourself and go into the mind and heart of the target client. And then it's a clarification process because not everything's going to be relevant to them. You can ask yourself, what's going to be most relevant to that person? And then just share that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, so fascinating. So one of the concepts which I talk about, especially in sales, is it's actually much easier to sell somebody else than it is to sell yourself. You get somebody to stand up and do a 60-second pitch about themselves and their business, and they're like, uh, 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 and they, they, sh- they can't get the words out. Yeah. And then you say, well, hang on, Robin, talk about Colin, and I could pitch you and what you do probably a gazillion times better than you maybe could yourself because... I'm not emotionally attached to that story, but I, yeah. I see the really the good stuff, you know, right. around like your unique selling proposition, like what what your superpowers are, and and uh, what results, amazing results, which you get for your clients through your process. So I, I can I could bang on about that like no problem at all. But for myself, I always I always kind of clam up a little bit, and I'm well well rehearsed now, so it does get a little <laughs> bit uh, a little bit easier. But I suppose when you're trying to break down what is somebody's like superpower, what is their USP? What little tips have you got for them extracting it and putting it into words? Well, there's so many criteria. If you think about uniqueness as a multi-dimensional jewel, so it's not one dimensional, it's not a single line. It's like you can have a, let's just take a triangle, right? You've got these three dimensions. Do you based on, okay, we're starting at the beginning and we're saying that we're interacting and thinking about our ideal client. That ideal client has, is encapsulated. We've encapsulated 
a story. We've got a beginning, middle, and end. We met this client. They were struggling with whatever it was. We moved them through a journey and produced a result. That's the, the story there. Now, whatever is objective about that story um, could be a dimension of that triangle. So, for instance, if your ideal client says to you, the biggest impact that I got was y- you were there with me every step of the way and you were supportive. Anytime I sent you an email, you sent it back within an hour. That's them saying that to you. So that can be a, a line. It can be a surface of that multidimensional jewel. Okay. So timing is a, a very important criteria for my client and support and being able to answer back to emails. That could be, maybe is that the top category of like the main thing they're looking for? Maybe not. But the more points you quantify on that benefit that you're offering them, the more you can emphasize that as a unique characteristic of your business. I, I think as well alongside that, sorry, Colin. I th- yeah, it's go, go for that, it. But, um, I was going to yeah. say the biggest mistake people make when they're qualifying those USPs, their unique selling proposition is that they're a little bit vanilla with it. They're a bit too boring. So, you know, take, for example, like we want to, uh, I don't know, they're a shed building business. We want we're, we want the highest quality shed. Well, nobody woke up in the morning and went, I want a really poor quality shed. Did they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? So, so quali- what is like, quality? quality isn't a USP, is it? No, (laughs) that uh, let me, uh, yeah, I have an example of this is okay. So Kirk Jaffe, mortgage officer, he's in LA, uh, 52 ish. And he was, he had the majority of his business came from 300 to $500,000 homes. However, a million to $2 million home, a mortgage on that is, whatever, three times multiple in terms of the commission, at least. So when we were interacting about his book, he was thinking from the context of uh, what he's doing most of the time, but not what is the most valuable or who he's the most valuable to. On the back of his book, the since he had done these million dollar loans and closed them on average in 21 days, um, because they're actually a higher quality prospect that he likes working with and they're easier to, they have all of their stuff organized in terms of their paperwork. So then he became the, the way we framed who he is on his book is Kirk Jaffe is an expert at originating complex loans for multi-million dollar homes. So it was eliminating out all of that 80% of the lower end deals that take up a lot of his time and focus exclusively on the higher end deals. And the uniqueness is that it was multi-million dollar homes that we're phrasing that and in 21 days or less guaranteed. That was the, so the, the sense of guarantee, that's a unique thing. The sense of timing, 21 days, the uh, million dollar homes, expert at originating complex loans. It's, it's a lot in one little paragraph, but it communicates exactly who he's for and what makes him unique as opposed to, Hey, I'm a mortgage officer. I can help you get a mortgage. It's like, no one wants that. (laughs) 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 I can help you get a mortgage. Great. (laughs) So, so can all these other people, there's no unique differentiation, but when he's doing 
loans on complex complex loans on multi-million dollar homes in 21 days or less that's more specific it's more interesting it's more beneficial I, I, it made me chuckle because i was uh, i was actually on clubhouse just before this um recording colin and and uh, i had to bring it up and uh, on, on somebody's um they came up on stage and we have this thing it's like a q a basically and um in their profile they just put i help people and I was like, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> 7 billion people on this planet. You help all of them? Well, no, of course I don't. Right, okay. So He's an alien. Can... That, that's the alien. You know <laughs> that guy. He's going to eat your brains or something. <laughs> he's the brain eater right there. But it's just amazing. And, and we have a thing in the UK. You probably got this way in the States as well. But um, SME, small, medium enterprises, right? So that gets bandied around quite a lot. I help small, medium enterprises for people who are in the business-to-business world. And I'm like, no, right? In the UK, we have um, 6 million registered businesses, generally, and 40,000 of them are L businesses, large businesses. That means that basically every other business is an SME. That's all of the businesses. That's not a target market. Yeah. And I think it's it's so, when you get people to niche and like start to drill down in their avatar, they're so afraid of like cutting out you know, a vast proportion of prospective clients. But the reality is like for small business owners, they only need like a handful of raving fans in order to have a really successful small business. So yes, my question is you've, you've obviously worked with, you know, dozens, hundreds of businesses and help them to kind of niche down in terms, especially around their messaging and who it is they want to, um, to target. Um, how did you, Obviously, you learned that in five minutes, three reading breakthrough. No, I'm joking. Um, what's your background? How did you kind of get into that and interested in that? And um, how many pieces of writing would you say you've had to do in order to be able to really kind of focus in on that? Yeah. Wow. I have, I'm like the least, this is like the, the worst positioning statement ever. So here it is. I'm the like least likely writer and the least likely marketer. I, I, I started out of high school as a carpenter and I hated my job. And then I quit my job after going to the Millionaire Mind Intensive. And it, they were talking about entrepreneurship and doing your own thing. And it just clicked that if I keep doing this, I'm going to die having never expressed anything and never found anything about my myself. And I saw the people around me and they're depressed and hated the gig. And I joined every MLM, you know, did the MLM hopping. <laughs> it's like pool hopping when you're a kid. Oh, if is, you... is that the time, Colin? I'm afraid I've got to go now. Uh... <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, I'd love to set an appointment with you. And uh... <laughs> I've got this, ama- this the I, best business is... opportunity you've <laughs> ever heard of. Yeah. Oh okay. man. <laughs> and after like, just uh, omitting lots of friends from my life <laughs> like, uh, after repelling basically everyone in my warm market. Oh man, just selling. Uh, but it was, it's a good, it's a good ground to know rejection really well. <laughs> and learn uh, well, I, I can better that actually. It's not yeah. my story, Colin, but if you want one better than that, a friend, yeah, of, a good, very good friend of mine, his yeah. parents are Jehovah's Witnesses and he mm. remembers on his 17th, um, uh, he was 17 yeah. Christmas day. They were going door to door knocking with the, the, um, trying to sell the Bibles on Christmas day as Jehovah, Jehovah's Witnesses. Wow. Yeah. 
So you can imagine kind of the, if, if there isn't a sales job that's harder than that, I mean, maybe, maybe people need to like jump on a comment or, or email us and let us know if there's a harder sales job than that. But oh, MLM is probably gets a very close second place to it. Yeah. That, that, and that right there is, I think the experience is useful though, because you get to interact. I think fundamental sales skills help you in marketing. So the, the arc from there was that I went to this seminar. I saw this guy, Joel Bauer, and he sold a business card. He built up the value of this piece of cardboard and stacked on all sorts of bonuses and got everyone like, if you buy this business card, you're going to get X, Y, Z. And he pitched it and he had a lineup of people. There was literally there was 500 people in the room. At least half the room was lining up, bidding with cash in their hand to buy a business card. Wow. And it was a demonstration. He, he got the guy that this guy was willing to invest in this business, invest in this business card for $500. I'll give you $500 right now for this thing. He was begging to buy this thing. And so just I one was, business card. it was one business card, but he, he used language to build up the value and like stacked on guarantees and, and used it as a demonstration. And he, he gave the business card to this guy and he said to give the money to make a wish. But what do you, this guy's, I mean, it's kind of like a commander type of personality he goes, understand something. This is direct response marketing and copywriting. And he said those words and it like, it clicked at the deepest level that I had this misconception throughout school in order to be a writer, you needed to take like, you needed to, man, Shakespeare, I love you, man, but like, I, I can't understand it. I try thou, as soon as I see a thou or a thy, I'm like, I'm good. So, and, I, and I had that misconception. Don't judge us on that, by the way. We don't, we don't all speak like that anymore. <laughs> yeah, we, like, I mean, could someone just communicate what Shakespeare was saying in like copy? But that was the, the moment where I heard direct response copywriting and it was like, I want to do that. And then he introduced me to a client, my first client for a book. I wrote this book for her. I've done 25 books at least for the all sorts of like a, a spectrum of business owners. And through each experience, it's like just hearing what their story is, hearing about their case studies, you kind of find the area of uniqueness with each person and it refines over time. But I think copywriting skill sets, studying the Eugene Schwartz's of the world, Brian Kurtz, of which we're in the mastermind together, um, in a mastermind together. And I, I well, I'm going to stop there because I could go long winded, but I think that I'll go long winded. Cause I think the thing is like, um, most people are sold a bit of a, uh, a dream, I think with modern day marketing and social media, this and app that, and should we do Twitter and LinkedIn and all this stuff? And they're so focused on the practical tactical, like what platform should we be using? They, they, they've totally lost sight about how to use them. And they're yeah. like the best, the best marketing that I've ever seen, like predates the internet. If you look at some of like, if you go back to some of the old school copywriters, you know, and I include in that, even the likes of some of the guys who are obviously still very well known, like Jay Abraham and the way that he, he uses words very yeah. differently because he knows about the sort of, 
the art of persuasive copywriting so that it drives people towards action. And I think, you know, what's lost in modern day marketing is this, I'm just going to tweet like 50,000 times a day and hope that some of that mud that I'm throwing at the wall sticks. And then you've got all these other gurus and experts who haven't been around in the old school days of marketing. I even count myself in that within that, Colin, like, um, because I, my first business was a marketing agency, which we started in 2004, which doesn't sound like that long ago. But back in 2004, you built a website, you optimized mm. the content and the copy on that website and got a business card and a business networking international BNI, you know, networking membership. And you were made, you got clients. It was like, it was easy then, right? Now it's like the wild west. We've got these gurus and experts who are touting the next big software platform. And so everybody gets onto it, but they're like, what do we do with it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that right there is, you know, as you were saying this, you said, um, I just reheard the word marketing. And I think there's a misconception that marketing is a thing. Like, like it's some holy grail that when you get it, you reach enlightenment or you're, it's like, it's a noun, but the reality is marketing is a verb and it's a contextual verb for every single person. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Right? It's this idea that um, you are an insurance broker and you should look at what other insurance brokers are doing and find the best method. But there is no method because it's it's so interactive between you, your own personal story, and your ideal client. That interaction, that dynamic, that relationship is so unique. It's like its own fingerprint. So if you can if you can figure out who that person is and who you are in relation to them you're going to create something beautiful because you can cr- create the you can presuppose which media are they using which platform is going to be best which approach you should implement and you're going to get breakthroughs that are far more effective for you than they would be for that other insurance broker or uh, agency owner or coach or consultant. Well, let's bring it back to kind of what you do. Cause obviously the book, the book is a prime example of, or the written word is a prime example of what I classify like marketing into two aspects, which you touched on the verb versus noun. So it's marketing activity versus marketing assets. Yes. And actually the bit, which a lot of people do is marketing activity. They're throwing mud at a wall and seeing what sticks. Whereas actually <laughs> you build marketing yeah. assets and yeah. you're clever about how you, um, uh, how you deliver and distribute them and how you design them and things like that. But the key thing is the assets that they are things which sit out there in the ether, which um, do a lot of the heavy lifting and donkey work for you. They leave a long an everlasting digital footprint so that somebody can go and find a podcast interview or a YouTube video or a book, Ugh, yeah. you know, whether it's physical or digital, it doesn't matter. And actually the thing is not many people are, are willing to put in the hard yards to build an asset. I think it's like building a house, right? Yeah. Marketing activity is I'll go and sell somebody else's houses, right? But the marketing asset is I'm going to go build a house that I can then sell. And mm-hmm. as we know, assets are worth a lot more than activity, okay? So how much can an estate agent create Like versus how much if you build a house and sell it, how much equity can you kind of build up in that house? Like mm-hmm. it's worth, you know, 10 times more than the percentage that the the agent can make on selling it, for example. That's Mm -hmm. the power of something like a book. So talk to us about, um, I want to know a little bit more about exactly what it is that that you do, Colin. So 
Tell us about, um, you know, Formula Publisher and what your process is, who it is that you help and what it is that you do for them. Yeah, sure. So the first thing is that uh, it's it's for service-based business owners and they're already in a business that they own or they're in, they're in the results-based economy, meaning they make they earn income from something they do and not on an hourly wage. That's the main, one of the main distinctions is that they're already successful in a business that they own. And what I do is help them clarify which part of their story and client interactions would be, they'd like to duplicate. So for Kirk, it was uh, multi-million dollar homes. I want to attract mortgage. Uh, I want to get more mortgage mortgages for multi-million dollar homes. Okay. So tell me about the last time you did that for someone. Let's put that into a book. It becomes uh, how to choose. He, his uh, target market was real estate agents because they refer him as opposed to like uh, consumers. So how real estate agents choose the right loan officer became his positioning phrase. And then on the back, it had multi-million dollar homes. And he sends that book to real estate agents um, to get referrals. So there's two sides of my business. There's the done for you services where I actually interact and interview my clients and produce the material with my writer, editor, designer, and publish the book for them. 50 to 100 page book that they can use for lead generation. And then the education side is I basically take all of those processes, but then teach them uh, in how to material. So that's the the two sides. Um, and like you said, at, at near the beginning, it's hard for me as well to find specifically um this is again, one of those like anti-cell moments. Here, let me anti-cell you, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's like a lack of uh, communication for my own uh, situation. But it's like, um, I'm constantly refining, like, how can we make this more unique? Can we have uh, measures in place so it's 30 days or less guaranteed? Um, so, and the process is based on the discoveries I've made with my own clients. So constantly working on the client side, constantly discovering how to launch, how to produce better material, and then teaching it in the education side um, are two of the things I'm going to, I do. So you've got the, um, the real estate agent who you help to kind of, um, or not agent, but the, um, uh, the broker, mortgage. Yeah, yeah, mortgage broker. So um, can I ask, I don't know, what sort of yeah. results has he found through having that short, short book and using that as a marketing asset? So the, um, his, I'd love to put the next thing that we're doing together is putting this into a direct response marketing campaign where we can see like beginning, middle and end, uh, how, advertising the book and noting the ROI on, on profit. So that's a future result. I'd love to be able to, to say that, but his income, ke- number one, his income keeps going up year after year. Number two is that he's working with million dollar homes, homeowners. That's, that's his, three years ago, he was working at the three to five hundred thousand dollar level. Now he exclusively works in the million dollar home yeah. range. So, so his, his income's gone up. Let's focus on that. So what's it gone up by in the last three years? 
That's a great question, man. I have to be able to answer that. That's it. That's yeah. that's going to be the crux of it because um, I can talk about my personal journey around um, sort of the book writing experience, and it's a little bit like giving birth to a baby, but the reward is like it's painful, but the reward is ultimately like brilliant. Yeah. Um, and uh, not not least, like so, the Red Book. Um, I've sold twenty five thousand copies of that. It's probably generated close to six figures in um, royalties. So, got the direct ROI which I've got from the book over the last five years. Wait, and you sold. Did you say that one part again. You sold the book and. Made six figures from the sale of the book. Yep. So, so I've not. I didn't sell the, just. The, I sold twenty five thousand copies of it. So over the last f- five or six years since it's been published, and my royalty check probably somewhere in the region of. It's not quite. It's just about under a hundred k. So yeah. that's going well. So that's just in direct sales. But what it's actually done for me business wise is it's quite difficult to calculate. But then the blue one comes into it. So take your shot. So that one, um, I give away copies of that more than I sell, um, albeit I have made some good money from it. Um, and that one, probably for every hundred copies I give away, I can guarantee to get one client, but sometimes I'll get two, three or four clients. Okay. So I know that if I spend 500 pounds on printing and shipping, you know, hundred books, I'm going to generate about four K's worth of revenue minimum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on each of those those hundred books I give away. So I think business owners need to get and like what do you know what amazed me, Colin, what you said there. Like there are probably people that oh, I can never write a book. Like that and they've got oh, like J.R. Tolkien size, <laughs> like, you know, three hundred thousand words or something, right? Yeah. You mentioned fifty pages. So yeah. you write a fifty page book. Yeah. Check this out. Business. Um this right here was my first book. And it's the case study campaign. And What this is, a five-part marketing strategy to create a flood of new sales. Look at how small that is. It's 50 pages. And this is, um, you know what? I love to advertise just this as a case study and be able to, that was such a compelling case study. I want to say what you just said, but for my client. That's the, the next, the reality is I've just been a vendor for this this desire. They want to do a book. I can help them do the book. So great. So I helped them do the book. Um, But this right here was a campaign I launched on my Facebook profile. I said, let me know if you're interested. And then I continued to pitch a service. 17 people commented, I'm interested. Four people ended up buying the service. Nice. Then I did that, worked with them, but this book right here was essentially and is essentially the assets that went into the case study campaign. So here's the thing. I produced a result and then I wrote about what the result was in a book. And this becomes a credibility mechanism for copywriting services. It substantiates that I can write a campaign that gets people to respond and, and invest in something. So this, anytime someone wanted to hire me for copywriting services in the email, I'd say, Hey, and by the way, I included a digital copy of my book. Now what you're doing is more elegant in the sense that you, you actually send it to them. Um, and you, yeah. I, I, may, I sometimes I sign it. I don't know whether that, yeah. ad, that adds value or devalues the book, but I sign it anyway. Yeah. Um, with a little personalized note, if I can pick something out of their profile or from the conversation we've got, always sign right. it. Um, 
off the back of what you've um, recommended I do, I'm still waiting for the print, to come, print run to come back, but we're going to put, be putting a nice little insert in there as well, like a call to action. Don't just yeah, read right. the book, but go and join the Facebook group and like start to get involved in the community. So yeah. there's a lot of, a lot of, I mean, inadvertently, I started doing direct response before I knew direct response was a thing. Uh, right. And before I got great for advertising and met you amazing, um, you know, you through uh, the amazing group, which Brian sort of curates, the Titans Accelerators. So, um, but, you know, you should be doing the same. I'd just be sending that book out to as many people as you possibly can with a little handwritten note saying, hey, let's do some business together. But the 50 the fifty page lead magnet book in 30 days, I think sounds amazing. Yeah. It's gold. Yeah, that's the... Um, and there's levels to it, right? Like if you wanted, and if, I, w- I want to, f- I'm not wanting, I'm focusing on that. So it's books that get leads is the, yeah. the headline and, you know, 50 pages to hundred pages is just can take 30 days or less. You simple structure, I call it the high five structure. You've got three case studies. One of them could be your personal story, an introduction at the beginning, and then a call to action at the end, three case studies introduction call to action nice. high five that's high five that's like it's also do you know um there's an ultimate webinar formula which i've seen which is very similar which is principal case study principal case study principal case study and that's it obviously you, with a bit of authority credibility at the start of it call to yeah. action at the end of it bang done it's exactly that format which you know i know personally again i've tried it and it works incredibly well so um, so if people want to know about your, um, uh, how to write a book in 30 days, uh, yeah. case study side of things, how can they get in touch with you? And, um, what are you working on at the moment, by the way? If you go to www.formulapublisher.com, that's my site. And there are three gifts. The first gift is a case study. I go through three case studies of, Hey, wow. It's like magic. Um, three case studies of service-based business owners who are utilizing a book. There's a consultant, there's the mortgage broker, and there's a doctor. And there there's that. There's also the ability to uh, speak about your book. If you're looking for done for you. And I have the thing that I'm, I'm focused on is books that get leads. So I, I started this books that get leads challenge And it's a five-day challenge where I go through basically setting up, I call it 80-20 book strategy. Nice. So if you you create the ultimate outline for your book, it it doesn't write itself, but when you have Uh, a map... What? It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't... It doesn't write itself. It doesn't write itself. This is it. We happen to live in reality. I wish we could just live in a dream world where books just write themselves like the tooth fairy. Maybe, maybe there's, um, so I, I, this is a total diversion. Sorry, but this is right. Maybe this is where you need to be in like five or 10 years time. This is your future business. Okay. So I, I met a guy, um, uh, uh, through networking who his son is, um, quadriplegic but absolutely loves tech, loves apps and things like that. And his dad wants to build him a, I've got to get this right, basically a mechanism so that um, you can code apps without any coding, like without using your hands. You can imagine, basically imagine the app blow into a tube. That's because obviously that's how he has to communicate at the moment. And from there, it then builds out the app. So imagine if you had an AI or VR like book, yeah. writing tool where somebody could just think about the concept for a book and then phew, bosh it just writes it for you um you should check out copy.ai as well that's an amazing platform if you haven't come across that yet 
I'll check it out. Copy. Anyway, I'm to- totally yeah. distracted there. So folks, if you want to know more about um, uh, books that get leads uh, that Colin's working on, you can head on over to uh, the formulapublisher.com website and there's three free gifts on there. You can also connect with um, Colin through LinkedIn. Just search for Colin J. Campbell and you'll be able to find him on there and connect with him and hopefully have a conversation with him about your amazing book idea and your business. And he can help extract out of you what the return on investment is going to be through working with Colin and publishing a book. I'm ready to get to work, man. I'm amped up. (laughs) (laughs) Robin, appreciate you, man. I appreciate you as well, Colin. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on to the Fearless Business Podcast. Thank you for having me. 